everyone, I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Dr. Kathy King and I want you to know you are important to us. We are thrilled that you're here with us today for another episode of Writing Works Wonders. Welcome to Writing Works Wonders. We're so pleased you've joined us for this exceptional author interview with Trixie Silvertail. Writing Works Wonders weekly writing prompts are terrific creativity boosts. Writers of all skill levels are enjoying them, and so are we. You have several ways to find the writing prompt for the week. If you like, you can also share your prompts, responses with us. Go to writingworkswonders.com and click Contact Us, and you'll find a button for writing prompts. You can see the weekly writing prompts there, and you can enter your response as a comment right on the web. Other submission options include email, phone, or text. We want you to rev up your writing creativity. You can also have these writing prompts delivered to your inbox weekly. They come along with the Zoom link, so you'll be able to join us and participate. If you want to sign up for that, go to the same place, writingworkswonders.com, contact us. And there's a big button for signing up. We want to encourage your writing success. I'm Dr. Kathy King, and I'm so pleased to introduce you to my fabulous co-host, Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Yay! Thank you, Kathy. <laughs> I love when you say that. I'm fabulous, and so are you. We make a fabulous team. This is wonderful. Hey, everybody. Glad you're all here with us. And we sure do have a fabulous guest today, Cheryl. Let's get on with the show. I'm so pleased to introduce our guest author, Trixie Silvertail. Now, I just have a short introduction about Trixie. She deserves a lot more, but we want to get to talking to her. Trixie Silvertail grew up reading an endless supply of Lillian Jackson Braun, Hardy Boys, and Nancy Drew novels. She loves the amateur sleuth in Cozy Mysteries, and is obsessed with all things paranormal. Those two passions unite in her Mitzi Moon series of mysteries, and she's thrilled to write them and share them with all of us. When she's not consumed by writing, Trixie bakes to fuel her creative engine and tends to her herb garden. Cheryl? I am so excited, everyone. I'm so glad that Trixie's with us. Um, she is gracing us this year again. Trixie, I'm so happy you're here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here. It's always fun to talk to other people that aren't living in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so my first question then is, when did you know that you wanted to become an author? Is this something you've always wanted to do? The distinction came for me between writing and being an author in that, to me, being an author represents running a business rather than just writing. I've always been a writer since I could hold a pencil. So writing has always been a way for me to express what's going on inside, but the decision to actually turn that into a business and have a schedule and have deadlines, that was probably not quite 10 years ago, a little less than 10 years ago. That's great. And your series is subtitled as a paranormal cozy mystery. And can you explain to us what that is and what that means? Absolutely. Cozy mysteries, to go from the general to the more specific, cozy mysteries mean 
no blood on the page, as in it's not going to be a gory description of a crime scene that you might find in CSI. <laughs> it, it means there's little to no language um, as far as swearing and or derogatory language and there's no sex on the page it doesn't mean characters can't be involved and have relationships but it's a generally a fade to black type scenario people consider them clean reads and the paranormal twist adds an element of anything from just simply having some psychic abilities to being a witch or a vampire or a shapeshifter or having ghosts or dealing with magical powers so the paranormal opens up a rather broad subgenre, but again, under that umbrella of a clean read. And about your main character, Mitzi Moon, how did you come up with your character? I watched and I've read how Mitzi Moon has developed through mm -hmm. this series. So how did it start? Well, you know, for me, characters, and I don't mean this to sound trite, <laughs> but they mm -hmm. just sort of mm -hmm spring to life in my head. And, and that isn't because I just sit down and go, mm, I need a character. And then boom, some fully mm -hmm. formed character develops. In other words, I'm a very introverted, quiet, observant person. And so everywhere I go, I'm, I'm soaking in my experiences like a sponge, anything that I watch or read or the place that I visit or people that I talk to, and it all goes in there and swirls around and so that's why I consider characters to be an amalgam of my experiences. So it's not just one person that I met that had this exact set of traits. It's mm -hmm. a series of experiences and interactions that then somehow swirled around in the back of my head. And I thought, ooh, I'd like to write an amateur sleuth. And then once I bring my focus to bear on something, then the pieces start to slide into place, sort of like a video game. I guess <laughs> if that makes any sense. It just, I, I feel like it does. Yeah. 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 And by having the characters that you do between Mitzi and her grandmother goes the alchemist and then the caracal cat, it gives you a lot to work as you develop these characters. And of course there's others too, but mm -hmm. um, I am just am intrigued and I love how you bring the library bookstore into it as well. Mm -hmm. How do you balance your writing or your creativity with your family and overall well-being? We know you bake and have your herb gardening. So how do you do this? And what would you say to other authors, those of that are with us here that are listening in? What would you say to encourage them? I think it's very difficult for creative people to draw boundaries, especially if you're in the role of caretaker in your family. One of the most important things for writers or creative people of any type is to have sacred time. So for me, when I first started, I wrote seven days a week and I had a schedule posted on my bedroom converted to office door. And, you know, my, my rule was pretty much, unless you have a, a limb dangling by a thread, do not, <laughs> do not touch that door. <laughs> um, and, you know, at first when my kids were younger, that meant I had less time. So I would have to take, you know, a 30 minute block here and a 30 minute block there, or a 15 minute block there and a 15 minute block here. But as you know, my kids are older now uh, and I'm able to do things in, in bigger blocks of time. I only write six days a week now because I was burning myself out. And then 
you know, that's not good for a creative person either. You have to have a day to recharge and that's my day to do my meal prepping and my baking or take a walk or, you know, open my front door and go, Oh, look, (laughs) there's a world out there. Um, So, (laughs) you know, for me, uh, honestly, the pandemic was no different than the entire rest of my life other than, you know, having to wear a mask if I ever left the house, but I don't. So it really was, <laughs> you know, th- that's kind of my life. I'm just here in my house. I'm writing, I'm, I'm cooking, I'm, you know, doing all that stuff, but having that sacred time is really important. Whatever amount of time that is, it has to be uninterrupted because it takes time to shut out the outside world, still yourself and begin the process. And if somebody interrupts you right after you've done that, you, you've got to start the whole process over again. So you just need to have whatever that is, that sacred time that everybody knows, do not bother me. And then you can feel like you made progress. So for me, that and having deadlines, it, it matters. Because if you're going to write and release books and, and treat it as a business that you're able to continue to do because it you know helps pay for itself, then you have to have a plan to actually publish the things you write. Otherwise you're writing and that's great. There's nothing wrong with being able to express yourself as a writer and, and just writing at, for the joy of writing. But if you want to go to that next step, you absolutely have to have a plan. You, you can't just be willy nilly um, because if you want to develop an audience of readers, they have to be able to rely on you. And they have to know that when you say, I'm going to release another book in a month or two months or six months, that they can trust you and that you will do that. And that's why people continue to return to a series because they believe that it will be there for them. Trixie, that is a terrific description of the distinction between writing for pleasure and writing for enjoyment, et cetera, and making it your income, your revenue stream, your, as you call it, business. Mm -hmm. And both are wonderful. Both we embrace but yeah. a lot of people can't articulate that distinction. So that's really helpful. Thank you for that. That's very yeah. valuable. Absolutely. I really enjoy the Mitzi Moon series. What a fun read. I highly recommend them to folks. They're available on Kindle. And part of that is because I love sleuth. I love mystery and I love amateur sleuth as well. Kind of a slam dunk for me. But your characters are so interesting and multifaceted. This paranormal piece in it makes it quite a different twist. Is this your only publication? Do you have other things that you publish as well? I do have other things. The Mitzi Moon Mysteries are actually available in ebook, in paperback, and in audio. And up through book four are available in audio now, and we're continuing production. We're actually recording more titles right now. So there's a variety of options for people if they're not just the Kindle readers. The paperbacks are large format, So if people like to have a book in their hands, it's a little easier read (laughs) than than a mass market size where you need a little magnifying glass. Of course, if you're an amateur sleuth, you probably already have one of those. So (laughs) Um, the other series that I'm involved in is called the Renaissance Fair Magical Mysteries. And that is what's called a shared world series. So there are three authors, myself, Aaron Johnson, and Nova Nelson, and Aaron writes the uh, Tea Room Mysteries, and Nova Nelson writes the East Wind Witches Mysteries, and we created this cursed Renaissance Fair world where we share secondary characters, which, side note, are sometimes my favorite to write. I 
absolutely love writing my secondary characters. So we've all agreed on what that shared world looks like, the traits of these secondary characters, and then we each have our own main character. And so we each wrote a book in this world. Um, my book is the second book, All Swell That Ends Spell, and my main character in that series is a fortune-telling fairy. And we did a trilogy this year and we're gonna do a trilogy next year. And it's like a traveling Renaissance fair. So the one that we wrote this year was set in the Midwest. We're gonna do one next year that'll be kind of set in the South. And then hopefully we'll do one more after that set in the Northwest. So that was really fun because I haven't written character outside of the Mitzi Moon Mysteries for almost two years. <laughs> so it was really fun to kind of get out of that space of Pincherry Harbor where I'm so comfortable and be able to create a whole new world and character and uh, familiar and all, you know, all the things that are fun. So that was a, a fun little escape. And then the uh, third thing that I did was we created another anthology this year. So that's the Moon's Magic and Mysteries anthology. And we have 16 authors who participated in that this year. And we raised the word count limit up to 15,000 words per story. So it's pretty massive this year. It's a, it's a pretty massive anthology and it's only available for a limited time. We uh, have the authors sign over the rights to their unpublished short story for 90 days. And so we just have it available kind of for the Halloween season, a bunch of fun little spooky short stories. And then December 7th, it will be gone. So anybody who wants to read those stories, it's good to grab it sooner rather than later. <laughs> That's a very unique model. I have not heard of that before. Maybe others have. What we do is last year we picked a, a different theme, but this year the theme was the story had to involve the moon somehow in a significant way. Not just that a character walks outside, looks up and says, hey, look, there's the moon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It has to play into the solving of the crime or the creating of the spell or the, the performing of the ritual, whatever it was that, that had to be done. It had to be a significant part of the story. So that means that even though each author is writing probably a short story from whatever their series world is, there's a thread that ties them all together for the reader as they go through that experience of these 16 different short stories. Well, that's a unique strategy for an anthology, a little different. I've heard about the shared worlds before, but mm -hmm. having an anthology on a shared theme like that is a little different in the way that you folks are doing it. You mm -hmm. know, certainly there's thematic anthologies, but this sure. is a little bit different. And how many of these anthologies have you folks done? We did one last year, same mm -hmm. idea, different theme, but also just available for 90 days. And then we did one this year. And I'm not sure if we'll be doing one next year or not. Uh, it is a lot of work. So yes. <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to put that on my plate again. This year got a little hectic because we had, I had a release, we had the new magical Renaissance Fair Mysteries releasing, and then the anthology releasing all within kind of a 30-day window. So not to mention all the editing. So yeah. with these anthologies, you've chosen to make them a limited time, 90 days. And I understand there's a benefit so that the authors of those short stories can then pick them up and submit them maybe elsewhere or use them in other publications. That's part of it. Yeah, it's kind of a nice way for authors to get exposure to new readers, because obviously if you're pulling in 16 different authors, sure, there will be some overlap between this author's you know, audience and the other and that sort of thing. But there's going to be a vast number of readers who have never heard of some of these authors, you know, in all the different situations that you would evaluate that. So it gives them a great opportunity to get exposure to new eyes. And if they're writing it as 
a prequel or a little insert into ah. a series that already exists, then that gives people a nice introduction into, you know, an author they may not have heard of and gives them exposure to all these, you know, potential series that they can read. And for the author, having a deadline is very important. So now they have a deadline and they've had to write a short story, but they only have to give away the rights for 90 days. They get it back. They can use that as an email signup magnet. They can use it as bonus content for a box set that they're putting together. They could just publish it on their website. They could put it through Wattpad, you know, I, all sorts of, there's endless ideas of, of what you could then do with that short story, but it definitely is a nice way for readers to be able to experience an author that they may never have heard of before. And a lot of readers who read in the cozy mystery and paranormal cozy mystery read a lot of books. So finding a new author that they like is always a bit of a gift. What a terrific strategy. One other question about that. You have me quite intrigued with this strategy. <laughs> of course. Is what's the benefit on the marketing side as far as readers' interest and purchase and that sort of thing by making it limited time? We hear this all the time in all different markets, right? Mm -hmm. So do you actually see that there's a benefit to that as far as the marketplace and people purchasing it? when they know that it's only available X amount of time? I believe so, yes, because it's not a ploy. It's not the furniture store at the mm -hmm. corner that's constantly going out of business and having a going out of business sale, but they've been going out of business for 10 years. It's not that. <laughs> it, it legitimately will be unpublished and will disappear from Amazon on December 8th. Like, so it's only available for a limited time. And that is also why we do not do a paperback because once you do anything in paperback or hardcover, you cannot get rid of it. Amazon will not mm -hmm. let you remove the product page because they're just sure that somebody out there someday is going to want to sell their used copy and they insist on leaving it up there. So you can't really erase it in the same way. So that's why we only do ebook, only do 90 days. And that way it guarantees authors, they get their story back and there's no trickling of sales that they don't get compensated for somewhere down the road. Well, I hope our authors in our Zoom room today are thinking up questions about this topic because I'm going to leave some of those open for folks to ask. I think this is an intriguing strategy, beneficial. I love the many ways it's beneficial to your anthology authors as well. Mm -hmm. How do you obtain so many top flight authors to collaborate in these anthologies? That's another key question for us. Well, I think it helps to be writing in the genre and to be writing successfully in the genre, because generally speaking, these authors have seen my books at the top of the charts and either been a book ahead of me or a book behind me and thought, ooh, Trixie's doing okay. <laughs> you know, so that, that definitely helps. However, when I did this last year, I definitely didn't have as many successful titles out, didn't have, you know, as much time on the charts. And so it was really just a matter of asking. The only thing people can say is yes or no. So why, why not ask? And there's, you know, a lot more people have been asked than have participated, but this year we definitely got some higher tier authors and that was very rewarding. So again, I worked with Aaron Johnson and Nova Nelson on the anthology. It was kind of my brainchild, but they threw their names in the hat. And so it always helps to approach another author who's maybe a little higher up the food chain and say, Hey, the three of us, I'm sure you've heard of us, at least one of us, <laughs> we're doing this. <laughs> we did this last year. I'm sure you remember seeing this being a bestseller last year. You should really be part of it this year. So, you know, you kind of build on each little success. 
whether that's your individual book being able to draw people into an anthology or the success of a previous anthology drawing people into the next one. But we have a good strategy as far as promoting, marketing, advertising, you know, all of that. So we don't just come at an author and go, hey, we're thinking about doing this. What, what's your schedule like? We have a very specific plan that we can show them so they know it's not a fly-by-night operation. It's about running a business. So it's about schedules and deadlines and marketing plans and advertising budgets and you know, all of that stuff. Thank you for that. Cheryl, over to you. And you work very hard at that because I see you out there all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's working. (laughs) Or as I would say, I hear you because my text-to-speech is always picking up on where you are. Now, you run this as a business, and Mm -hmm. do you have a schedule for certain days that you might do your social media and marketing compared to your writing or how is that all work? Or do you have someone else who does that for you? Or how do you do all that in <laughs> successfully as you're doing? <laughs> well, it's a kind of a multifaceted answer. Mm-hmm. As the Mitzi Moon mysteries have expanded, I have been mm-hmm. able to add some people to my team, but initially mm-hmm. it was just me doing mm-hmm just everything. So I had a bit more of a specific schedule then, but I'm, I'm not a morning person. I'm, I'm three cups of coffee and just to do this interview. I know it's afternoon for you guys, but it's not Mm. afternoon for me. (laughs) So so I tend to do social media, email responses, uh, ad checks, all of that sort of stuff in the morning. Mm. And then once my brain wakes up, then I do my writing sessions in the afternoon. However, if I have to drive somewhere for a meeting or anything like that, I'll write via dictation. So I will take my little recorder with me and I'll dictate as I drive, which is great because it's totally distraction-free. You know, no one can knock on the door. Packages can't be delivered. (laughs) I'm just like, I'm in the car. I'm untouchable. So that's kind of handy. But I do have some help. I actually have my son working for me now, running a lot of my advertising stuff. And um, I still do all my own social media. I'm a little bit of a control freak, but also I really prefer things be in my voice. So Mm -hmm. I have some help with graphics, which is really nice. But as far as posting and scheduling, I do all of that myself. Yeah. I learned that early on. I had hired a publicist when I first started writing and I, all of a sudden I saw some of the things that were out there and they were just, it wasn't bad. It was Mm -hmm. just, I have a guide dog. So it was just not appropriate how that was worded, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a lesson I learned without doing damage and realized that there's (laughs) Things that we can do, like Kathy and I are looking for intern right now mm-hmm. who can help with certain things. But as far as our voice, it's yeah. important for us. I totally appreciate that. Yeah, it definitely. absolutely is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's important yeah. to do things in, in an order that makes sense. Oftentimes, I think for new writers, it's really easy to get the cart ahead of the horse because you, you listen to podcasts and you, you know, go to these webinars and you maybe back in the day when we could go to book conferences, you go to book conferences mm-hmm. and you hear about the things that authors who are farther down the road are doing. And you think, oh, I need to do all of those things right now. But in a lot of ways, those things won't make sense for you because you don't have the same backlist. You don't have the same sales numbers, you know, so you can't measure yourself by someone else. You kind of have to gather information and then evaluate what works for your model. Because if you've only written one book and you've published one book, congratulations, that's wonderful. That's a huge milestone, but pushing 
hundreds or thousands of dollars into advertising, that one book is never going to pay for itself because you don't have anywhere to take readers. You can spend all the money you want advertising book one, but your return on investment is going to be terrible because you don't have another book to put them into. So they might buy Mm -hmm. book one and and love it, but then what? That's it. You know, Mm -hmm. you made your 35 cents if it's a 99 cent book or you, you know, whatever. So that that's, those numbers are never going to work out for you. So you have to take that information and think, okay, what's more important right now is building my email list. So it's really important. I have good back matter and I have a good sign up message and a great email lead magnet that people are going to be interested in. And they're going to want to sign up for my newsletter because then when I publish book two, I will have these readers that I can reach out to directly and say, Hey, I know you really liked book one. Guess what? Bam. I wrote another one. Hooray. So it's different strategies at different times in in your career, I think are kind of the key to really focus on, because if you try to do everything at once, you'll be so upside down it feels like failure, even though you maybe are on the path to success. We appreciate you being here too and sharing your experience so that we can all keep continuing to support each other and learn from each other. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, of course. Happy to do it. Sure. Cheryl, do you think we should go to questions? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Kim. Hello. Hey, thank you for uh, being here. Are any of your books, especially... The Mitzi Moon series available on Hoopla or Bard yet? They are not. They are available in various formats on Amazon, but they're only available on Amazon. And the reason for that is because I have a very large audience of readers who have Kindle Unlimited memberships. And so for them to be able to continue reading the series as part of their monthly subscription fee that they pay to Amazon, the books have to be exclusive to Amazon distribution. So they're available in audio, in ebook and paperback, but only through the Amazon portal. However, your local bookstore can order paperbacks and the paperbacks would be available in Barnes and Noble and and other locations because the paperbacks don't have to be exclusive, only the ebooks. I sent Kathy the first one. Your first book set is 99 cents for three books and you can have your voiceover or Alexa read it to you and they do a fabulous job. Oh, good to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Amazon works great with Braille displays as well. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) All right. So next we have Marlene. Marlene Massat. Hi. I absolutely love Cozy Mysteries. Abby. Abby Taylor. Hi. Um, I was just wondering, you said earlier that your book uh, are available through um, Amazon uh, as an audio through Amazon portal. What about audible.com? Can someone like me who has a subscription get the books through audible.com that way? Or do yes. I just have to get them? Yes. Yes, you can. So right now, oh, books, books one through four are available um, and we're in production on five and six. And we're going to be doing two to three titles a month until we okay. basically catch up because in ebooks we're up to book 15 but we the the audible has been you know lagging behind so we're trying right. trying right. to get caught up with those okay now do these mitzi moon books uh can they be read as standalones or is it better to read them in order or does it matter the mitzi moon mysteries can be read as standalones so okay people who you know like to see the progression would enjoy it chronologically but Right. Pick one up and read it. You'll get enough backstory and and enough information that you'll be able to enjoy the mystery. So whatever the main mystery or mysteries are, they will be solved in that book. There's no cliffhangers. 
Oh, okay, great. Well, that's good to know. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Next, we have Annie Chapetta. Hi, am I unmuted? Yes. Yes. Hi, um, thanks uh, for being here today, Trixie. Um, Of course. I was curious to know your take on the Kindle Vela development. Um, Are you, what what are your thoughts on that, you know, as an Amazon um, exclusive author and uh, because I'm kind of thinking about it, but I want to do some research first. Well, you know, I, I I have to say one of the most important things for writers, authors, is having a, a business plan, having a strategy so that when new bells and whistles pop up and there, there are new bells and whistles all the time, <laughs> you know, everybody mm-hmm. says, oh, you can start advertising to people through Facebook Messenger bots, really? I hate that, but that's a separate issue. (laughs) Um, But if you have a vision and you have a strategy and you've decided what it is that you're trying to accomplish and how you want to get from A to B, then you'll, when some things come up, you'll know if it fits with your strategy. For me, Vela is not at all how I write anything ever. And I would be extraordinarily uncomfortable releasing things in bits and pieces Mm -hmm. that I don't, when I haven't finished a story. So that doesn't fit for me. That does not mean that it doesn't fit for, you know, tens of hundreds of thousands of other people. It just doesn't fit for me. So I literally have zero information on that entire process because as soon as it came up, I just deleted it and went on with my life. It it doesn't fit with my strategy. That's not a great answer, but that's how I run my business. Oh, thank you. I think it's a great answer. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have an agent? Have you thought about agenting? You know, well, uh, how important do you rank an agent in, in, in your plan as an author? I started down the road of agenting with the audio and I was extraordinarily unhappy with how that worked out. Uh, fortunately, I was able to contract, uh, privately with the narrator to continue the series under my own publishing company. So that was fine. However, I did agent for uh, foreign translation rights because I don't want anything to do with that. And it's another potential income stream for the Mitsubishi sure. Industries. So I, I did agent for that. And we did sign uh, film and television rights to a production company. They're handling that. That's not something I'm doing. So there are pieces of it. Again, for me, writing is what I love to do. Writing is what moves the series forward. Writing is what continues to give me books to give to readers that bring income in that allows me to continue to write. So that's where I focus my energy. And if there's other pieces that make sense, like for instance, trying the audio, not having that come out satisfactorily, bringing that back in-house, you know, so I've had some little experiments along the way, but generally for me, I focus on writing the books. And the other pieces, I will farm out as needed. Thank you. So, Trixie, I have a question for you. You know, we've Uh been talking about some advanced topics for authors and writers. And a lot of folks that are in this room today are on that level of experience. But also, we have listeners and participants who are beginning writers. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would you suggest to them if they're having difficulty developing a schedule and sticking to their writing routine? What are some tips or tricks from your experience that would help them get started? One of the most important things is a mindset. I think for a lot of people who have trouble sticking to a schedule or creating that, that sacred time for writing, they subconsciously do not value 
themselves or their talent or their time. And until you can shift your mindset and decide that you deserve 15 minutes of uninterrupted time, you're, you're not going to be able to move forward because if you don't believe in yourself, how can you expect to get other people to do that? So I think that's the, the biggest thing is the mindset. You have to believe that your time is valuable and that you deserve whatever little piece of uninterrupted time you can carve out of your day. You need that. And if you're having trouble, then try changing up your environment. Some people like to write in cafes. I don't like that because I, as I mentioned, am an observer and quite a bit of an introvert. So I don't necessarily like being in a room full of people, but also I can't write because I'm eavesdropping on every conversation. I'm watching the way people walk. I'm watching the way people stir crap into their coffee and I'm just soaking up all these little tidbits. So for me, that's a research trip. That's not where I can write. So, but for some people, all of that stimulation around them actually helps quiet their mind and then they can focus on their writing. So if you're having trouble writing at home, try somewhere else, try taking a dictation recorder and going for a walk. I've done that some days when I feel like, you know, the house is just stifling me. I just take my little recorder and, you know, walk out the front door. So don't be afraid to change your environment to help you create focus. And then once you see what it is that feeds that part of you, then double down on that. And, you know, when you can carve out 15 minutes, then carve out 20, then carve out 30, you know, don't, don't give up on yourself, believe in yourself and keep writing because your first book, if it is a New York times bestseller, hooray for you, but it likely won't be. So don't lose hope just because of that. You know, I wrote a lot of other books before I got to the Trixie silver tales, Mitzi moon mysteries. So it's not, it's not about knocking the first one out of the park. It's about not giving up because such a huge percentage of people will just give up. So all you have to do is stand up just a little bit longer. That's, you know, that's really, that's really all it is. Just stand up a little bit longer. Very cool. That's great. You know, we haven't talked too much about the paranormal Mm -hmm. and your characters in this particular series have a variety of paranormal characteristics and abilities and all, but one that's really odd is the cat. Can you explain who the cat is, what his name is, where he came from, and what type of cat this is, and and what are his special powers? Piwacket is a caracal, and that is uh, one of the. So it's pi piwacket. Piwacket. P y e w a c k e t. Piwacket. So piwacket is a caracal, and caracals are one of the smaller of the wild cats, you know, in the, in the big cat family, they, they're still considered a big cat, but they're the smaller version. And a lot of people, I mean, you know, a lot is, is a relative term, do have caracals and they also crossbreed caracals with domestic cats, which I'm not a huge fan of. Caracals themselves, uh, if raised from kitten stage, you know, <laughs> infancy, uh, can be domesticated and, and had people have them as pets. My interest in them simply came from one of my sons um, spending probably a year of his life on the internet researching and begging to have one of them, which I never allowed (laughs) because (laughs) despite all of his evidentiary (laughs) claims, having a a dog-sized wild cat running (laughs) loose in my house did not seem like something I wanted. Um, However, when it came to 
finding some sort of a familiar for Mitzi Moon that immediately popped into my head. Again, this is all part of that sponge thing that I talk about that, ooh, now I can have a Caracal. (laughs) (laughs) And I've always loved cats. I've had, you know, lots and lots of cats over the years. And so just the idea of how much they can communicate without speaking. So I chose to have familiar, in a sense, for Mitzi, that wasn't a speaking animal. Lots in the paranormal, a lot of animals speak, which is fine. It's just a different approach. In my uh, Renaissance Fair Mysteries, the familiar for the fairy is a toad and he he speaks, but I chose to have Piwacket not speak. And so he has a variety of vocal intonations. And as Mitzi's psychic powers develop, she's able to kind of understand his intonations as though he were speaking. That's sort of their exchange. He's in charge. <laughs> she's figuring out how to make his him happy. Just quickly, what are some of the other paranormal traits that you endow upon your character? So Mitzi discovers mm-hmm. she's psychic in the first book. So this is something that likely she was experiencing as she was younger, not really knowing what it was. But once she gets to Pincherry and you know inherits the bookstore and meets the the grandmother, then pieces start to fall into place. And so her her skills develop through the books and the grandmother was clairvoyant. So that may be where Mitzi inherited some of it. We look into different possibilities in, in different books, but her lawyer that delivers the uh, inheritance paperwork that actually brings her into Pincherry Harbor, he's an alchemist and he's very formal and is very fond of etiquette and things being done the right way in a certain order. And his skill set is more about bringing Mitzi more in touch with herself. So he is the one who helps her. He's kind of the wise advisor character. So he's the one who helps her learn to quiet her busy mind and and focus on the skills that she has and recognize things that she probably already knows, but she's too busy snooping to notice. So he kind of brings her back into herself. You're good at describing these without giving too much of a spoiler. Yeah, well, after uh, I'm writing book 17 right now, so I'm real yeah. good at not giving spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I can tell yeah. you pausing there, it mm-hmm. must be a talent you develop over time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you've told us, Trixie, where our listeners can find your book. Can you tell us how we can find your online presence? Of course, I do have a website, trixiesilvertail.com, and that's Silvertail is S-I-L-V-E-R-T-A-L-E. Um, so I do have a website, trixiesilvertail.com. I have an Amazon author page. I have a BookBub author page. And I do frequently post book recommendations there. So when I read other cozy paranormal or cozy mysteries that I have enjoyed, I, I will post information there for readers. Pretty active on my Instagram account and a Facebook page, which I'm not that active on but I do have a private readers group on Facebook. So if people go to the Facebook page and join the private readers group, I'm much more active there. Well, I can see we have a lot more to discuss with you another time. We hope you'll come back in the future again. Sure. You're a wealth of information. I'm I'm sure our listeners have gained a great deal from you, Trixie. Good. I hope so. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much, Trixie, for coming and being with us again. We look forward to staying in touch with you and reading more. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Next week, our prompt for next week is the fall season genre of your choice up to 100 words max. We look forward to seeing you next time with us, Kathy. And with that, would you wrap it up for us? please. Don't miss next Friday, 1 p.m. interview. We will be featuring 
Smashwords. One of their top people will be our guest to talk about what they state is the easiest place to distribute independent ebooks. A great interview and question and answer opportunity for readers and writers next week, October 1st. We also have a fabulous episode on the stream that's a bonus content available to everybody if you hit the podcast for Writing Works Wonders or go to our website. It's posted right there. It's episode 28 with Robert Kinnett. Don't miss that one. It was not a live interview, so you need to tune in to hear it. Thank you, everyone, for making this another amazing episode. And a big, big thank you to Trixie Silvertail for spending time with us. WritingWorksWonders.com for these show notes, resources, and bonus content. You'll be also able to find the many opportunities we've been discussing to write and participate in Writing Works Wonders events. All opportunities to participate in our Zoom call, contests, writing prompts, and open mic events are available through our Contact Us page. Just click Contact Us on the website. We are also have a donate button, which provides several ways for you to help show your support for Writing Works Wonders. You may contact Cheryl and Kathy through the Contact Us page or email us at writingworkspodcast at gmail.com. And we have a telephone number that you can phone as well, 347-467-0221. All that information is on the site. Above all else, we want you to be encouraged, inspired, and enjoy the wonder of writing. We look forward to being with you next time. Thank you for joining us today. Writing Works Wonders. Kathy and I are thrilled to spend time with you. Now tap on that button that says subscribe so you will not miss our show. We also have a donate button, and that's to help with the expenses that Kathy and I incur in order to keep this show and podcast going. There's a link there that you can tap on that will take you directly to our website at www.writingworkswonders.com. There you will find all the information we talked about today, along with show notes and so much more. We want you to feel encouraged and inspired to know the wonder of writing. And until next time, our friends, Keep on writing. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.